Welcome to this week's edition of Taboo Talk with Jay Louder. So today is going to be a little bit unusual from what we normally do, but something I think is going to be extremely beneficial. Over the years in ministry, and really right here at our office and staff meetings, there's been a question that has arisen on so many occasions. And I don't know why I've never done a Bible study on it because I've been asked to do so, but it's how do you study the Bible? And so we were in staff meeting about a week ago, and we were discussing what our upcoming podcasts were going to be. And one of the staff said, we still haven't done the podcast on how to study the Bible. And so we were thinking about who it is that we might bring in that could also weigh in on this. Well, there's a lady I've known her for, gosh, I don't know, well over a decade, probably, I don't know, 15 years or more. She's a great leader in our church. I can honestly say with no exaggeration, I really don't know anybody that knows the Bible any better than she does. She's somebody I have great respect for. Again, she's a, she's a great leader in our church. She's mentored many people. Matter of fact, my own wife has been mentored by this dear lady. I love her to death. She's just a wonderful lady. Kathy Drake, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Jay Ladder. It's so great to be here. Thank you for the invitation. Oh, uh, we were just, as I said, we there was no question immediately when we decided to do this. It was unequivocally, undeniably Kathy Drake. Now, and she wouldn't want me to say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. So Kathy came in today. Again, she's a huge student of the Word. And so she came in today, and I think you're the first guest that brought a Bible, but I think it's great that you did. And she not only brought her newer Bible, but she brought her older Bible in case that she might need to look at it or maybe reference it. I wish you could see it. Maybe even we can take a picture of it if she'll let us before the podcast is over, and it may even be on our social media posts. It, the Bible has been, I think you said, Kathy, 10 years. Is that right? I think so. Yeah, she's had it about 10 years but it looks like she's had it about 50 years, which again, matter of fact, Missy came in because Missy loves her to death too. And Missy came in and I said, look at Kathy's Bible. I said, that's really all that needs to be said. When you see the Bible, you see how much she uh, studied it. So today we're going to kind of dive in. We've already talked about some things that we share in common. We're going to talk about different ways. And let me just say this as we get started. I know there's no one size fits all for Bible study. I know some people who they do their quiet times early, early in the morning, and they get up before work. For me personally, that would never work. I'm a night owl, so I do all my quiet times late at night. So today, what we're not going to do is we're not going to say, hey, this is the only way to do it, uh, because again, what fits for one person may not fit for the other. But the key is, is finding what fits for you. And so really what I'd like to start off, Kathy, is... Um, kind of generically, but I'm curious, have you always had the hunger for the word that you have now? Was there a turning point after you became a believer? Was it because of your mother? I mean, what really brought you to this place? Because again, I know you wouldn't say it, and you're a very humble lady, but you are a huge student in the word, and you do know the word back and forward. So what was really the impetus that gave you the hunger for the word that you now have? Oh, that's extremely easy. It was 9-11, 2001. 
My daughter was a freshman in high school. My son was a freshman in college. I was 45 years old and I was a believer, had been a believer since 16. But my time in the Word consisted of, let's see if I can find another five-minute devotional book. Let's grab Oswald Chambers, My Utmost for His Highest. Let's, and I had a stack of them by my chair. And what my time with the Lord consisted of was grabbing a devotional. Somebody takes one scripture and then they extrapolate their, their thoughts on it. So I was reading a verse and then someone else's interpretation of that verse. And that worked for me for years until 9-11 and the towers came down and I sat in my in front of my TV, like most people did, for eight days, just lamenting our country and the state of things. And I remember very distinctly at the end of eight days on September the 19th of 2001, very clearly the Holy Spirit said, these are serious times. You have got to get serious about me. I did not know what that meant, but I thought, well, okay, I grabbed my keys. I ran up to Mardell's to our Christian big store and I started looking the shelves and it was kind of like, oh, there's another devotion book. And the Lord's like, no, when I say serious about me, I mean, I want you to get serious about my word. And what's funny, when you and I were having this talk last week, you said you hate the one year Bible. <laughs> I do. I know you do. And it was so interesting because I've heard other pastors say that. But for me, that was kind of like, okay, so I grab it. And if you're not familiar with it, there are, there's the chronological, but what the one that I grabbed, you read a psalm a day, a proverb a day, mm -hmm. some of the Old Testament, some of the New Testament, every day for 365 days. So it happens that September 19th happened to be in the middle of Isaiah and Galatians. I didn't know anything about what I'd read, but I read it anyway. And listen, I was raised in the church. I yeah. was one of those baby roll Christians. Yeah. Saved at 16 authentically, though. But, and I remember getting to September 20th and going, do I have to keep doing this? <laughs> and the Lord was like, through his Holy Spirit, yes. Even if you don't understand what you're reading, what I'm calling you to do is to be consistent and to persist. And if you're going to get serious about me, you have to get serious about my word. So fast forward, when I get to the end of 365 days and I rolls around 2002, I'm like, I'm done. Close it up. And very distinctly, you will do this till I call you home. You will study my word till I call you home. And for me, what it showed me very distinctly was I had spent my Christian life as a young wife, as a mom, biding my time, biding my time till, okay, I get my kids out of diapers. I get them in school. I get them in high school. I get them a driver's license. I get them in college. I, every season was, I was biding my time. Then I come to John 15, where Jesus says to abide in me and my word abide in you. And it was just so obvious. I would, I had spent all of this time biding my time as a Christian. God was asking me to. And the only way you can really abide is to know him. No doubt. His word. So that's my, what I call it. I think it of my redemption story. And that was, I'm coming up on 22 years. I always look at September 19th as, as my day of my stone of remembrance from the book of Joshua. It's a stone of remembrance for me. And I always celebrate it. And I continue now. I don't use that one year Bible that I bought at Mardell's, but what I do continue to do, did this morning, I use the references from it, from the Psalms, from the Proverbs, from the Old Testament, from the New Testament. I'm in Romans. I'm in Chronicles. I'm in Psalms and Proverbs. Yeah. And he continues to tell me things. He's, how did I not see that the first time I read it, the 10th time I read it? How did I not see it? His word is new every morning, his mercies. And it's alive and it's 
it convicts and it's sharp. Amen to that. You know, I, and it is funny because I did mention that on the phone. And again, it goes back to what we talked about earlier that we know there's no one size fits all. And I know some people that do read the one year Bible and love it and have been doing it for years. And as I told you before the podcast today, there are two books of the Bible that I have still never completed. And part of that is, is I, I struggle through them. And because my whole premise behind Bible study is getting something that I can apply. And every time I start these two books in the Old Testament, I just get bogged down and I feel like, well, if I'm not growing and getting something I can apply. But again, I know that does work for some people. I think one of the challenges that I've had is, and and I hate this for anybody, regardless of what format they use, is the whole premise behind, to me, Bible study is cultivating relationships. It's growing closer to the Lord. And so my thought process has always been for me to say, okay, well, gosh, today I read 10 chapters of the Bible. But to me, if I've read 10 chapters of the Bible, but I haven't retained anything or something particular hasn't spoken to me that I feel like I can apply to my life, then I feel like it was, it was redundant. I feel like I didn't accomplish anything. And I think I told you this when we were on the phone. For me personally, last night, I'll just use last night. I'm in First and Second Samuel right now, actually Second Samuel. But last night I read three chapters. And to be honest with you, I can't, I can tell you some things that I read last night, but I, I can't really tell you one specific thing that when I woke up this morning, as I look for something from the night before that I can apply, I really can't say that. But that's my goal when I study scripture, that when I go to sleep, first thing when I wake up in the morning, first thing I do is I ask God to fill me with the spirit. And the second thing is I try to pray the one main thing that I got from scripture. And sometimes I may have to read two or three chapters. Sometimes it may be like last night, and I read, and there really wasn't something that just really jumped out at me. But there are other times that I may literally read one scripture, and I read one scripture or maybe one paragraph, and then I'll read it in different translations, or maybe it's something out of the Gospels, and it'll be contained in several of the Gospels, and I'll read different accounts of the same story. But I think for me personally, I've always kind of taken the, the attitude for anybody my recommendation has always been is whatever method you use, it's got to be something that you can apply to your life. It's kind of like the old statement. It's better to, rather than being able to quote a hundred verses, it's better to know one and apply it to your life. So that's kind of always been my, my thought process. But again, I, I know it, what works for one doesn't always work for everybody. You talked about how uh, due to what happened September 11th, that that was really kind of the catalyst that led you to that really prompted you because of what was going on in the world and cultivated a new hunger. Have you found that as a result, that the more you study the word, I guess going really back then, that the more you began to study the word, the greater your hunger became, that it was something that became insatiable for you? Or was it more of a discipline for you? I heard Pastor Bob say this, and Pastor Bob is Dr. Bob McCartney. He's our pastor at First Baptist Church, which falls. And he said this years ago, and this has always stuck with me, about studying the word. It begins as a discipline. Discipline will lead to desire. Desire to lead to delight. Wow, I love discipline, that. Say that again. You start Bible study, being in God's word starts as a discipline. It leads from discipline to desire. Desire leads to delight, to delight in his word. And well, I have great. found that to be absolutely true for me. Again, that first year was just a discipline, just let me get through this. But back to something you said, and I heard this. This is not unique with me, but I don't know if this helps your listeners. When you get to those difficult chapters in, or, or books like Leviticus or Lamentations or those kind of things, I think sometimes we often feel like 
I'm reading the Bible to see what I can get out of it. Think for me what I have gleaned over these decades of doing this is it teaches me about who God is. It shows me who God is. I might not always get something that, you know, applies to Kathy or to my life, but it shows me who he is. That overarching view of scripture, these 66 books, the culmination, the theme of all of it, these over over 40 authors, over a period of 1,500 years in three languages, written on three continents by people from kings to fishermen, and it's all one theme, the redemption of man. Can't understand the New Testament unless you know the Old Testament. The Old Testament is complete without the New Testament. And it's just, that's where the delight and the desire, when I wake up in the morning and I am that morning person, that's just for me has yeah. become my discipline. Mark one thirty five every morning. Risen up a great while before dark. day, went into a solitary place and there Jesus prayed. Jesus is going to a solitary <laughs> place. So that's that for me works. And if this is helpful to your listeners or not, I was thinking about this. Back to the way you say you approach it, the way I approach it is much more systematic. I was thinking about a chocolate cake. I was thinking about if you had a three-layer chocolate cake and I set one in front of you and I had one and set one in front of me, we might we would probably cut it differently. Yeah. Someone would just go in there, let's just cut that wedge. Someone would take their knife and they would very systematically go around it. Someone would cut it in a quarter and then cut thin slices out of the quarter. You still get the same chocolate cake, but the way you cut it and the way you divide it is just going to look different. Right. So I think your personality is so different from mine that how you attack scripture, how you approach it, it's just different for me. A systematic way to approach it, again, Old Testament, New Testament, Psalm and Proverb every day. It's just, it works for me. It doesn't work, but it yeah. doesn't need to. But the one thing I would say, if any of your listeners are like, but I just want to know where to start. I think that's where a lot of people are, are, are just, I just don't know where to start or they'll start and stop. And again, for me, back to my story, starting in the middle of the book of Isaiah and in Galatians, I'm going, what does circumcision have to do with my life? You and you're reading that Galatians, I'm going, and that, how does it, so you're reading it, but again, it's like you read it and you be consistent and you persist. And over time, God shows you, you know, what he's talking about is the circumcision part. And, and, and again, it's about him and it's about his whole story. Right now I'm studying for Hebrews in the book of Hebrews for a class I'll be teaching in the fall. And there's so much, it's all about Jesus in the book of Leviticus, it's all about Jesus. All of the sacrificial offerings, the priesthood, everything is pointing towards Jesus. And it takes it takes a while to get there. I would say this. You start, don't stop. You start, persist. Find a way that works for you. Get you some good commentary. Listen, there. I have apps on my phone, my iPad. I have books. Something that's quick that you can pull up. But if you don't understand it, find commentary. Get you a Bible like mine that has commentary at the bottom. If you don't know, write in your Bible. Use it as a journal. Write, just It becomes yours. It's your text for life. It's my text for life. I love that. I was thinking of a scripture I memorized years ago. I, I, I haven't had a chance to look at it, but if my memory serves me correct, it's Psalms 119.18. This is another thing that I try to always pray before I study. And if I remember it correct, you might double check while we're doing this, but it, I believe it says, open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. I hope I'm given the, yes, the chapter. Is that yes, right? Yes. Good. Yes. 
Yes. Memory serves me good today. Yes. But it, it's a way of saying, God, I want you to open up my ears and my heart and my mind. And where, where I'm not just, again, I, I don't want to just be a legalism thing where I can check it off the list and say, okay, well, I read the Bible today. And so I've done that. I want it to be something that has cultivated my relationship with the Lord. And I do like the fact of being systematic. I mean, I know some people, I personally wouldn't recommend this, but I, I guess it could work for some folks. They would just literally open up the Bible to a random page. And I think we talked about this when I called you a week or so ago and talking about doing today's podcast. To me, that's a very difficult way because you're kind of jumping in and out and you're not really getting, I think I used a reference of somebody sending several letters and reading one part one day and one part the next day, and there's no connectivity. Right. And so when you talk about being systematic, that's one of the things that's worked for me. I never, for me personally, again, this may not work for everybody, but I've never jumped around. Right. If I start a book, I want to go all the way through it, just as I would if I got a letter in the mail. Right. I I want to be able to follow the whole thing. So I I think that that's something that's real important. Earlier before the podcast, something else was brought up, Kathy, and I know a lot of people do this. You mentioned, uh, and you even talked about it a while ago, that initially you were doing just devotionals. Mm-hmm. And I've written a devotional, and we actually sell devotionals when we're on the road. And so I think devotionals are good. But like you, I would never use a devotional as a substitute for God's Word. And so well, is your perspective the same on that? I mean, do you still do a devotional? Do you think that's something that's beneficial for some people? Is it something that you would recommend, or, or would you? what would be your thought on that? Well, recommend no, no, <laughs> because that just, again, and that's been my experience. I walked that road. I did that. And for me, it was, let's accumulate another devotional. And that's just, and to me, it was, and there's nothing wrong with other people's opinion or critique of what scripture says, but I will just give you an example. You're talking about being in second Samuel this morning. I'm in second Chronicles. That's probably the last book that people would think of. Yeah. There's a story in there about a king. His name is Asa. He was a good king. He is listed one of the good kings. He rules for decades, and he has a great start. He has a million-man army come up against him from Africa, and he prays, and God slays that army, and he gives him the victory. That's 15 years into his kingship, into his reign. You go a decade later, and his own brothers from the northern kingdom are coming up against him, so he goes and hires mercenaries from the kingdom of Syria to take care of his own brothers. Wow. And a prophet comes to him and he says, if you trusted the Lord for a million man army, why wouldn't you trust me? And you know what Asa does? Instead of falling on his face and saying, God, I was wrong. I've sinned. Forgive me. He takes that prophet that comes to him and says that through through God's own commission. And he puts him and he locks him up and he puts him in stocks. And Asa dies with diseased feet at the end of his kingship Because in his old age, after he had had success after success and had a good kingdom and done things God's way, in his old age, he turned from that. So for me, as a senior citizen, I'm a 67-year-old wife, mom, grandmom, and I looked at that and I I don't want to have a great start and finish. Help me finish strong. So you can take those Old Testament stories, and if you're looking at it and asking the Holy Spirit just to to reveal to you what he has to say to you. And and another thing I love about the illustration that you just gave is that story 
which would speak to you now where you're at in life may not have spoken to you if you were 20 years of age. And that's the beauty of Scripture. You mentioned something today before we even got on the podcast, and I was coming to Kathy's again. I don't want to call old Bible because for most people, 10 years old is not old, but ancient when you look at it. And Kathy mentioned, we were talking about how amazing it was that this book is really not like any other book. And, And that sounds like preacher talk, but it's really true. And Kathy was talking about how here, as she's been a student of the Word, that she's still reading things that obviously she has read before and gaining something new all the time. And Kathy, there's really no way to explain that other than to say, this is a supernatural book. And I had the same experience. Now, the truth of it is, oftentimes I read something and I don't read my notes before I read a passage. This happened to me two nights ago. I was in Second Samuel and something stood out to me and I was going to write it in the margin of my Bible. And then I realized I'd already written that. So that happens as well. But, but there are times, like you say, and it's really common where a story, especially when I'm looking at the Gospels that I probably have read more than anything, and I'm still excavating new things, and I'm going, how did I ever miss that? But yet it's because it's not your normal book. Exactly. It's, it's the Spirit of God working through the Word of God in a child of God to work at the will of God. I mean, that's, wow. what, that's what it is. Wow. Well, no, I mean, that's, it is. It, this morning I was in Psalm 19 and I will tell you, it not only directly just affects, it, it convicts me, it reproves me, but it drives my prayer life. Scripture drives my prayer life. If, if what I pray for my grandchildren, it's, it's from scripture. What I pray for those who are suffering and ill, the sick saints, it's from Scripture. What I pray for the widows, it comes from Scripture. What I pray, it, it's, it comes from Scripture this morning in Psalm 19. And you know this, this passage is talking about your hidden faults and presumptuous sins. And it's like, Lord, I want you to show me what are sins that are hidden, maybe ones that I have forgotten or maybe that they're unconfessed or I didn't even know in ignorance I did it. And then those presumptuous sins is just arrogant and a disregard for God's God's word. And so you read scripture and there's that connection and you pray what you're reading from scripture becomes your prayer line. Wow, Kathy, to me, that is what you just said. And I'm so glad you jumped into that because this even goes beyond just how to study the Bible or maybe different methods that work for different people. Because there's a lot of people that today would say, I really don't even know what to pray. And really, you just unlocked a secret, I think, for many people who listen to us that got me because I hear this. Well, Jay, I mean, yeah, it's easy to pray for my, my mom, my dad, my brother, my sister, my husband, my kids, but I really just don't know what to pray. And there's a lot of wisdom in that, that the scripture is what you pray. And when you're praying scripture, you don't have to worry about whether or not you're praying God's will, and you don't have to worry about whether or not you're praying something that's anointed. Exactly. And so there's a, there's a lot of power in that. So you and Kathy, I know that you're like me. You're a huge believer in scripture memory. I, I know. Do you still memorize scripture? Probably. I'm probably not as good at it as I used to be because I'm a lot older than I was. But yeah, I do. But, but I was going back to every day I pray. I have six grandchildren. And a couple, about a year ago, two years ago, the Lord led me to the book of Mark, Mark chapter 10. It's so interesting two places, Jesus asks a question. Always look in God's word. When God asks a question, please pay attention. 
And so Jesus comes up to James and to John, the two brothers who are his inner circle. Then he comes up to blind Bartimaeus a little while later. And he asks exactly the same question. What do you want me to do for you? And when Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? That's powerful. Of course, James and John, they wanted they wanted to sit. Call down thunder sometimes. Well, yeah, but it was like, can we sit at your right hand and your left? Oh, yeah. They wanted honor. Bartimaeus just wanted to see. And so I, I, I took that scripture a couple of years ago and I began to, I would pray it back to the Lord. Lord, you ask, what do you want me to do for you? If you ask me that question, I want you to save my family. Amen. I want you to save them and I want you to sanctify them. Yeah. And then in Mark 12, verses 30 and 31, it was like, how do you sanctify my family? Ask that you teach them to love the Lord, heart, soul, mind, and strength that others is themselves. Because, you know, I could lay out there a thousand things for the Lord to protect them from, to lead them to the schools they go to. I could lay all that out. God doesn't need that. He just, I give you my my grandchildren and my family, and I just want them to love all their heart, soul, mind, and strength that others is themselves. And that's everything. It's a whole Yeah. The law of love. You just brought something to mind, another verse. I hope I've given the correct reference. I have some, sometimes it's hard to make, but I'm pretty sure this is the correct reference, but I believe it's John 17, 17. But it says this, sanctify them by truth. Thy word is truth. First of all, sanctify means set apart. And when you're talking about your family or your grandkids, and you're talking about them being set apart for good, for God, for his kingdom, again, Scripture says by truth. And so the best way to be able to pray for them and for them to become that is to know truth. And so I think that's a really, really important aspect. And I I love what you're saying, because, again, I do think it plays a huge role in people wanting to know what to pray. Something else, Kathy, I was thinking about. I know for me, when I get in Scripture, I, I don't have my Bible with me today, my study Bible. I have one Bible for preaching, and I have another Bible that's only marked with verses that I've memorized. And I wish we could dive, I don't know if we'll have time today, but I'd love to dive deeper into that. Because again, I know you memorize scripture and I know there's a certain power in that. And I know David talks about in Psalms 119 that he hid God's word in his heart that would keep him from sin. And he also says that we're talking about verse seven and verse nine. And he also says about how can a young person cleanse their way? And it says by taking heed according to God's word. Another verse just popped in my mind. I believe it's Joshua 1.8 that says that the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, which I think goes back to quoting scripture, but you should meditate in it day and night. And we could even dive into there because there's one thing reading. Let me just clarify that because I, I think this is also important, Kathy. Would you not agree that there's a whole lot of difference in reading God's word and studying God's word? And, and and also in reading God's Word and meditating on God's Word. And it has to do with the heart. Where's my heart? Explain that. Okay, example, I told you I'm an early riser. I get up, I get my coffee, I go to my to my chair, I have my what I'm going to be reading. And I always ask the Lord, just speak to me through your Holy Spirit. Show me what you want me uh, to know today. And I always, I do mine backwards. I start with the Proverbs, go to the Psalm, go to the Old Testament, and I end with the New Testament. And it's just... When I say I've trained my heart, it's just that ask the Lord, just show me what I'm seeing. Show me what you want for me today. And that's meditating, that's studying, but it's sometimes it's even like <clears throat> exactly what you were talking about, either repeated phrases or things that I'm looking for that I haven't seen before. Just show me something. Again, the heart is your mind, what I'm looking for, where's my thought process? 
I will time this out and say this here. Sometimes I get distracted. Sometimes my phone sits sits right there and I'll get a notification. I'll get a text or I'll get a call or something like that. And I think there's a lot of wisdom and discernment in knowing this is something I should be interrupted for. It's It's not. But sometimes in prayer, I will be praying and the Lord will put someone on my heart and I will stop and I will text that person at that time. And that's, it's not, I know at that point the Lord is, has moved my heart to do that. Yeah. I don't always do that. So I think, I think that's important to listen to the Holy Spirit, what he's talking to you in that moment. If it's a call from Derek, I'll take it. So <laughs> that's not one that I'll ignore. But anyway, back to something you were talking about a minute ago, when you're talking about reading scripture and just seeing as it a whole and God's story and God's story of redemption. Back to King David, because you're talking, you're reading about King David. I have to tell you, it always would bother me when I would read that he was a man after God's own heart. I'd go, look at how he did. Yeah. <laughs> how could he be called that man after God's own heart? Well, as I walked through the Samuels this, this year and a couple of months ago, and just the beginning, it just came to me and I should have, should have realized it. It was because no matter what he did, he had a repentant heart. Yeah. Kept coming back. He did. Whereas, again, King Asa, the example, King Asa, he ended his life hard-hearted. And I just think it's that soft, tender heart that we have to keep. And that's why David was a man. I think that's a great point. And I, I think even for people that are listening to the podcast today, maybe right now you've not been in the Word. Maybe you're angry at the Lord, or maybe something's happened in your life and you don't understand why God's allowed it to happen. And maybe, maybe there's even some conviction that you've kind of gotten away from your prayer time and Bible study. I think Kathy makes a phenomenal point about King David, that in spite of all the mistakes that he made, that the, the, the bottom line was he still came back. And so it's just a matter of coming back as Revelation talks about. It's going back to your roots. It's returning from whence you came and going back to what used to cultivate the relationship that you once had. Kathy, I know for me, and, and again, I'd be curious if you do this as well. In the front of my Bible, it says, what am I supposed to follow? What am I supposed to gain? What am I supposed to lose? These are just some basic questions that I try to ask myself. Is there a behavior that I need to replicate? Is there a behavior that I need to avoid? I also try to, one of the things I always do, even though I've read every book in the Bible multiple times except two of them, I always love, I have a study Bible like you do. I have a, a Thomas Nelson, in case anybody's wondering, and it does have study notes and it has some Greek and some Hebrew, but I don't get too hung up in that. But I always read the preface of who wrote the book. I want to know the context of it. When I'm reading something, I want to I want to be conscious of who the culture of the day, if I can, who is being spoken to, what's being spoken about. I want to I want to kind of have the stage set for me, like some of the letters of Paul. It's for me, it changes reading some of those, knowing that he was imprisoned. Yes, it gives me a different perspective. And so, I wondered if for you, is that something important for you that you try to keep in mind, maybe? behaviors to follow or avoid or the context of scripture, who's writing it, where were they, were they in prison, who's being, those things. Oh, that's that... So it's huge. I have become a map nerd uh, in, in the last few years. I, if I'm studying, I want a map in front of me. I want to see where Paul went. I, I had, a, I did a study last summer of Jesus and it, it, it said he never traveled more than a hundred mile radius from where he was. The apostle Paul, look where he went. I mean, he goes all the way to Rome, perhaps to Spain. 
And I love to see, I love to see when he was preaching, he was in the Decapolis, he was in the Gentile region. I mean, I love to see, I love to know where he's at exactly when he's in Philippi. I'll study. What was it? It was a Roman, it was a Roman garrison and there was a lot of uh, military people. It, it impacts that. Derek and I took a trip. It was my lifelong dream. I went to Israel a few months ago and I uh, got to, to go on the Sea of Galilee. I got to go around to Capernaum and, and all of those places and to see this is really, he walked that. Yeah. Those roads, those dusty roads, those, the seashore and it, it was just amazing to get to see the places that they walked. That's very important to me, the context geographically, even with Paul, who was who was ruling in Rome at the time. And yeah, I love those things. It's yeah. very important. It brings it to life. I, I agree. And I, I'm sure some people are going, gosh, you know, there, there's a lot of work involved in this. And I really wouldn't call it work. I, I would consider it no different than if somebody walked in my office today and started telling me a story, whether it would be a positive or negative story. Well, I would want to know who was involved. Where did this happen? Because maybe where it happened would help indicate or reveal more about the actual story or what city it was in. Or it, it, it opens up and gives you a more of a panoramic view. And so for those people going, gosh, there's a lot involved. The truth of it is, I think you can get a basic study Bible and you can read the preface and find out a lot of information about who wrote it and where they were. And so it, it, it does open up Scripture in a big way. And plus, I, you, you got to remember this. If you're digging for treasure, if you're really looking for treasure, I, I wouldn't suggest that you, you go to Alaska and just uh, kind of walk along the banks. You understand that, it, and we've actually done some mining for gold out there, but there's a process. There's the digging and there's a sifting. And Again, if you're really hungry to find that gold, it, it goes beyond just a mere glance at the water. And I think some people maybe want to cultivate the relationship, but they're not willing to put in the time and the effort that it takes. But it's life-changing, as you said, and it's certainly well worth it. But wouldn't you agree with that as far as it is an excavation process? It is, absolutely. And I would say to anyone that's listening, I know you're going to listen to this and go, oh, in the morning, I'm going to start, and you're going to be like me. And after day one, you're like, oh, wow, I really didn't get a lot out of this. I just have to say that as a believer, as a Christ follower, if you want to know who this God is that you serve, that put in the work, because it is work. It probably doesn't take any more than 20 or 30 minutes. And out of a 24-hour day, don't think that's too much of any of of the Lord to ask us, can you can you give me that time? And I will show you those treasures. I will yeah. help you find those treasures. And it impacts your your relationship with your spouse, your kids, your grandkids, your neighbors. For me, that journey started just instead of uh, just biding my time and to abiding in the Lord and abiding in Christ. After seven years of, of doing that, for me, it's kind of like, okay, Lord, I mean, I'm going to continue to do this. You've called me to do this. I don't know why you've called me to do this. It was interesting because at that point, so this was 15 years ago, I was asked to be on pastor search committee for our church. Well, I felt so ill-equipped. We all did. But one of the things that I knew is that the requirements for a pastor, the things we were going to look at, even our coming together as a, as a group, as a committee, we dug into scripture. We looked for the qualifications. We studied. We prayed together. And just knowing that what we were, we were going to go listen to these different pastors and we were looking for someone to fill the pulpit of our church. 
you know, if you're not acquainted with God's word, it's like, how are you going to know right. that what he's preaching is true? Right. Discern. And so all of that, not even knowing, you have no idea what the Lord is equipped. I had no idea or even to come. And I just think that as believers, you know, God will use those he calls, but he does equip. And to be equipped is this is the sword we yeah, and, and that's right out of Hebrews 4.12, that the, the, the Bible is a sword. And it's important, too, when you talk about the Lord speaking to people, um, I mean, I certainly have heard the stories. I'm sure you have, some people have had visitations and things of this nature, and that's great. But the primary way the Lord speaks to people is through his word. And I know sometimes people say, man, Jay, the Lord doesn't speak. You know, I, the Lord hadn't spoke to me in forever. And I say, but are you in God's word? And I say, no, I'm really not. But that's the primary. I'm not saying it's the only way. God can speak to you through a song or through a person, but his primary method is through his word. And so you can't really expect to be hearing a whole lot from the Lord if you're completely neglecting his word. You you talked about the impact it has on your life. I can honestly say that what I do as my calling, who I am as a father, who I am as a husband, you can literally tie every aspect of my life when I'm faithful to God's word, and I'm again not just scratching the surface, but studying God's word and seeking His wisdom and His truth, you can see the barometer of my life in every aspect being where it's supposed to be. And when I let distractions and other things get in the way and busyness, and I'm not faithful to His word, you can see the impact that it has on me as a father, as a husband, as a brother, all the way down the line. And so it, it really does make a huge difference. And so, again, when we're talking about digging up treasure, when you realize the treasure, the, this pearl of great price that you're getting, you realize that the investment that you're putting in is absolutely, absolutely more than wor- worth it. It is God's way that he is going to speak to you and wants to speak to you. But I, I think, again, we have the nozzle turned off. I'd be curious this, Kathy. I noticed earlier when I looked at your Bible, uh, I believe it was ESV. Is that right? Mm -hmm. I personally don't get hung up on this. I I know some people say, I I read the New King James Version. That's what I like the best. I've heard people say, my gosh, if you're not reading the King James or you're not reading the New American Standard, I've really never got hung up on that. To me, as long as you're reading God's Word, I think that's the key factor. I know that when I initially got saved, all I read was King James. Again, I, I eventually switched to New King James. I felt like it was a little bit more relatable language. Just curious. I mean, I know you obviously are a big ESV fan, but do you get hung up on translations? Or are you kind of like me? Just as long as you're reading God's Word and it's not a paraphrase, you're good to go. No, I, I like the ESV. For me, I've, I've read it for a number of years. I like the flow of it. It is or has been said the ESV and the NASB are the two that are the most directly translated from the Hebrew and the Greek. They're most closely But I also have an app on my phone. If I'm looking into scripture and I go, I really don't get this. I have a blue blue letter Bible app that will say, look at all. There are 10 different translations. And I'll go to that and I'll go, okay, that makes more sense to me. Because sometimes the ESV just won't. And that's another, Kathy, a great tool that you mentioned. I have, and it's old, Lord, it's it's what's called a parallel Bible. And it's just the New Testament. But it has New American Standard. It has The Living, which is really a paraphrase. It has NIV, and I think the other one's King James. Again, I study New King James, but there are seasons where I run into something, and I, I, I just can't put the piece of the puzzle together. I can't really understood what's being said. And I, while I don't study a paraphrase like The Living, sometimes reading it in a different translation will open up new truth to me. 
And so you do that as well. Oh, absolutely. There's a, their enduring word is a good app, blue letter Bible. App. I mean, there's, and I use those all the time. Yeah. They're great for that. Something else that I was thinking about as you were talking, this is a podcast. There are so many podcasts out there. That's when I walk in the mornings, I generally listen to a podcast. And that's another thing about being consistent and persistent in God's word is as many podcasts as there are out there, and a lot of them are under a title of gospel or Christian or faith-based or whatever. If you don't know your word and you're listening to a podcast, or if you do know your word, let's put it that way, there will be something that you'll go, that yeah. doesn't resonate. And that's the other beauty of being in God's word is because it lets you spot the wolves in the sheep clothing. It lets you spot the lies so that you aren't taken down that road. I've had people text me and say, hey, I listened to this podcast. Listen to this and see what you think. And that's what God's word will do. When you look at it through the lens of scripture and through God's truth, you're going, you're taking off here on something that, yeah. you know, so that's, again, that's just another benefit. Yeah, I think so. I, I think it is important. And I think for a lot of people, because they've never really made that commitment. And you talked earlier, I think this is before we got on the podcast about now it's become a way of life for you. It, it's it's kind of like brushing your teeth or brushing your hair. You don't have to, I don't think about brushing my teeth. I just know in the morning I'm going to brush my teeth right. and it becomes a discipline. And that's not to say the truth of it is you're more faithful than me because there are seasons I'm on the road and I make excuses and, oh, I'm too tired tonight and I'll read tomorrow. So which is never a good thing, but I do fall into that trap sometimes. And I can be like some people, I've had folks say, well, you know, Jay, I just don't have 15 minutes a day, but they watch a three-hour football game. You know, you make time for what's what's important to you. We were talking earlier, Kathy, about favorite books of the Bible. And we talked about First and Second Samuel. Matter of fact, when my wife came in, I noted what one of Kathy's favorite books was and Missy immediately said, First and Second Kings. No, I meant First and Second Samuel, but that is my favorite Old Testament book. To me, it's like a elongated movie that has everything from, I mean, literally everything that you would see in a movie from, it has immorality, it has murder, it has war, it has bloodshed, it has kid problems, it has marriage. I mean, literally, there's nothing that's not covered. And not to mention, not just because David's in it, but I mean, there's some legendary characters. There's some prophets, Nathan, Samuel, the first king, Saul. I mean, you got Goliath. There's so many different things. But you mentioned that's one of your favorite books. Is there, I think you said that the reason you like it is because it's great for parenting. Is that right? Is that the main reason that that's one of your favorites? Yeah. I had a young mom a couple of years ago say, I'd love you to, to disciple me. And she said, what would you recommend that we go through? I said, we're going to go through First and Second Samuel, best parenting books in all the Bible, because it's a how not to. How don't, not to. Don't yeah. do it like Eli did. Don't do it like Samuel did. Don't do it like, learn from their mistakes. And so, yeah, I love First and Second Samuel. Yeah, I don't want to get up on a tangent here, but that you mentioned Eli, and that's one of the things that I love in the beginning of the book when Samuel was under the tutelage of Eli. And again, I don't want to bore our listeners with a story that they, but I love that whole thing of the Lord was speaking to him and he thought it was the prophet. And so he keeps going in there and the prophet saying, no, I didn't say anything. And then he finally realizes it's the Lord speaking to him and really the beginning of the call on his life. Yeah. And I, we could go forever on this because even how he ended up under the tutelage, you know, with his mother and all that, so many fascinating, but yeah, I love that book. And, and as I told you, I've read that book more than any other Old Testament. It's kind of my go-to 
So if you haven't read First and Second Samuel, again, it's all there. I know you said that you love the Psalms and Proverbs. So before we get into the New Testament, what is your favorite? Do you have a favorite Psalm? Mine's one, Psalm 139. Mine's probably Psalm 19. 19. Which is what I read this morning. Yeah, and 119 or 19? 19. And see, I can't even quote a verse out of Psalms 19. What Remind me why that's your favorite. I don't remember what Psalm 19. If you said 119, I can quote about five verses out of that. But 19, I don't even know where we're at on this. Because it starts out with the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. It is creator God. And it's like man with his out is with excuse. The heavens, he created them. It starts off with that. And then it just talks about the law of the Lord, the testimony, kind of like Psalm 119, the precepts, the commandments, the fear of the Lord. And then it comes to what I talked about earlier. You get to the end, declare me innocent from my hidden faults. Keep your servant from presumptuous sins. Don't let them rule over me. Presumptuous sins are, again, it's kind of giving a high hand to the Lord. I heard you, but I'm not going to pay attention. It's quenching the spirit. Yeah. Keep me from that. And then it ends with this, which is very familiar. Then I shall be blameless, innocent of great transgressions. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable, acceptable. in your sight. O oh, Lord, my strength. Yeah. That's probably it. Yeah, I, actually, I, I do have one verse now that you just, <laughs> it's just been so long since I recalled it. But yeah, yep. yeah, I, I love Psalms 139. But even what you're talking about, Psalm, and again, I, 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 that Psalm doesn't stand out to me, but there's kind of an element of Psalms 51, which is, mm-hmm you know, the confession of yes, David. Yes. So there, it sounds like there's kind of some overlap that you would find in Psalms 51. Yes. I, I I remember David, even in the middle of that, I think it's verse seven, talking about purge me with high soap, so I'll be clean, wash oh, me yeah. whiter than snow. Tell me what your favorite proverb is, because I can't tell you, I can quote quite a few verses in proverb, but I don't have one chapter. I mean, I guess if I had to pick one, I, I guess the first thing that would come to mind would be 16, because I have uh, several verses, uh, three, seven, and nine that it kind of stood out, but I don't really have a favorite proverb. I don't know that there's actually a favorite, but this is, again, I, to me, it's like, as you study it, you look for it. There's three kinds of people, or actually four kinds of people in Proverbs. There's the wise who follow God's commands. There are the fools who shun God's command. There are the simple. I always think about a simple person as a person who kind of like walks through a, he, he's, not, he's not committed in anything, kind of like walking through a saloon door. And then you walk back through and, oh, I like it here. I like it there. So you've got the wise, you've got the fool, you've got the simple, and you've got the wicked. And the wicked are just the foolish on steroids, really, in my opinion. But I guess Proverbs 1, 7, because this is kind of the crux of all of it. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. And here we are, in some ways, we're still kind of going back to David, because those of you that most of you probably know this, but those that don't, Proverbs was written by Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived. And uh, obviously, if it's the wisest man ever lived, there's a lot to be learned from him. But the son of David, the actual second son of David and Bathsheba, since the first one did not make it. So, yeah, I, I like Proverbs. I, you know, I, I know a lot of people who do what you do, and they read Psalms and Proverbs every day. I don't really do that. That's another one of my commitment books that, you know, whenever I start, <laughs> I'll read the whole thing through. What is your favorite New Testament book? Out of doubt, and, the book of Acts. And tell us why. Uh-huh. Acts is kind of like what you're talking about with First and Second Samuel. Stories, yeah. It's just stories, and it's it's the the the, the start of the church, yeah. And the faith you go from, you know, denying Peter to powerful Peter, and yeah. I just I love the stories of Paul, and you know, you can just see Luke sailing with him across the Mediterranean and taking these notes and just writing it all down, and 
I just, I love the book. Yeah, it is a great book. And as you said, it is the start of the early church. It's when the Holy Spirit comes upon people. And as you said, it is story-driven. Of course, alone, you mentioned about Peter. Here's the guy that denies the Lord three times. And next thing you know, he's preaching to thousands of people are being saved. And then the whole thing about Paul's Paul's conversion story is a very fascinating story, how God turns Peter's heart, which is very, kind of opens his eyes to new truth about who the gospel goes to. And then I love the aspect of Acts where you see Paul before these different Roman authorities and people's responses to the gospel and what and what's taking place in the Roman government there. So a, a great book. For me, I, I can't pick a favorite New Testament book because I would say the Gospels. If, again, First and Second Samuel, definitely Old Testament, but New Testament, I've certainly read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. There's still something to me, as much as I've read those four Gospels, I just love hearing over and over about Jesus and his travels and the things that he did, and, and it just never gets old to me. And which is your favorite gospel? Oh, I I, I struggle because I love John. There's a I love all the I am's of John. That's one of the first thing mm-hmm. I did was memorize all the I yeah. am's, and I love John's perspective because you know John was one of the inner circle, the disciple who Jesus loved, and so um, I love John. Then again, I love Luke's perspective. He, he was a physician. So I, if I were recommending one of the Gospels to a new believer, unequivocally, undeniably, I would recommend Mark. I think it's the most simple of the four Gospels. But yeah, um, you know, again, and this goes back to kind of understanding who wrote them. I, I love, there are things about Matthew that I like, and just because of his perspective of having been a tax collector. So it's really hard for me to to pick one of the four. And what I really like to do, honestly, I, I like it when several of the stories are contained in more than one gospel, because it's just like some people say, oh, gosh, it's contradiction. No, it's not contradiction. It's you and I standing out in front of this, the, the looking out the window of this 11-story office that we're in, and we see a car crash. And certain things that might stand out to you might not stand out to me. And so hearing you tell the story and me tell the story, no one's being dishonest. It's just certain things, and maybe as a woman that you would relate to that I wouldn't, or because of age or whatever. So I, I love doing that, comparing story with story and hearing the different insight. But it would be hard for me to to pick one of the four. But again, it, when people ask me that are new converts, because obviously that's kind of where we focus is trying to reach non-believers. I always recommend Mark. Is there a recommendation that you give to people that you would say is a starting point? No, I do. I look, Mark is the shortest. I do like it. I think his was written first. Yeah. And it was written from Peter's perspective. Right. And, you know, sort of that firsthand testimony. I love the Gospel of John. I walked with it a couple of times this past year with some of the young women I'm discipling and just uh, his perspective. You know, he, he takes it. The other three were written before John. So he, he those stories were told. So I'm going to tell some other things yeah. about Jesus that, you know, that, that weren't covered. I would probably recommend John just because what you talked about. The I am. Yeah. Just, it's so funny that you say that because I pray that every morning. Do you really? I thank him that he is. Wow. The bread of life. And the door. Resurrection. Yeah. I do. I, yeah. I love that. Yeah. That's really powerful. I'd, I'd be curious about this. Um, and I know we're, we're about to run out of time here, but um, I still struggle. And I always have struggled with the book of Revelation. I actually preached two sermons out of Revelation. Because out of the book, there's 
so little that I can really wrap my mind around, but there are two that I actually preach a sermon out of. But honestly, I still struggle with it, and I've read it the least of any New Testament book. What's your perspective on it? Well, that's interesting because, again, I, I disciple young women, and a year ago, I had three of them ask me, say, would I don't want to go through the Revelation, the Revelation. So we spent all starting September through May, and <laughs> kind of like you, but it is the one book in Revelation 1 that says, I promise. This, it has a promise if you read this book, and we would read it out loud. I got five different sources, and it took a lot of time, and I would look at the different sources, and it was easy, not easy. It's easier to digest. If you can think of this as, you know, the first three chapters are, you know, first you see the resurrected Jesus, then you see in two and three, the seven letters to the seven churches. Right. And then you kind of get four through 19 is kind of like all the bad stuff. Right. And then get to the end and the glory. So if you can kind of chop it up like that and see it that, you know, it's God's revelation of things to come and see it as the hope that we have of heaven, hope of glory. They knew this. The apostles knew this. John knew this. And the things that he saw, just like Paul got to see a visit to th in the third heaven, the things that they saw so magnificent, they can't even describe. Yeah. But uh, for me, as, as I spent that time studying it, it was a call awake up to me that Jesus is coming back. He promised it just like he came the first time. Yeah. He said, I will come again. And I want to just make sure that I've told people, I was convicted this, this Sunday sitting in church, that there was someone that I need to make an appointment and have a gospel conversation. Yeah. And I'm going to do that Thursday. So, you know, it's just like God's coming. People need him. And they need to know. Yeah. Well, you mentioned, and it is the only book that has a promise with it. Ironically, I've memorized most of chapter 20 because I'm fascinated by the great white throne judgment, mm -hmm. which, which probably doesn't sound too good because it's a judgment <laughs> for non-believers. Yeah. But um, I have talked about that in sermon. But if I had to pick one thing out of Revelation that I love the most, you probably already guess what it's going to be. It's chapter 21, because I, I can literally still get chill bumps reading about Jesus on that white horse with King of Kings written on his thigh. I mean, it, it's still even thinking about it, you know, the eyes of flame of fire and, oh, yeah, the wine press. And so, yeah, it, it, I love reading that. It's never gotten, matter of fact, there's a song, I can't remember the name of it, but there's a song that sings about the rider on the white horse. I, I do love that. Yeah, for those who, who think of Jesus as just a pacifist and read Revelation. Yeah. That's not true. Yeah, he's not. Yeah. <laughs> no. Kathy, you got so much wisdom. You know, that's another thing I love about you. And, and I, I love just the fact of some of the things you said, today. I think are really important to remember things about being a study, uh, a study of God's word, about how that helps you pray uh, about some of the different tools that you use. Again, and knowing that different things work for different folks in different times and different translations. But the key being is, is making it a commitment like you have. And I've always had great respect for you. And I thank the world of you. I thank you for the impact you've had in my wife's life. And I know are still having, because I know that you're still mentoring many, many people. Kathy, it's been great having you today. And again, I know you're a lady with a lot of wisdom, somebody that I deeply, deeply respect. And know that you're talking about something that you're living day to day. And I even love how God used 9-11 as really the, the launch pad for you of a real change. And 
I thank God for that because what it's done, not only in your life, but for what it's done in the lives of other people that you have been able to mentor and disciple and teach and train God's Word. I think there's been so many things that you've said today that are really important. Things about devotional books, things about prayer, things about study. Uh, It's just been great having you as a guest today. Thank you. Thanks for coming. We'll see you next time on Taboo Talk with Jay Lauder.